Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. This week we will be having an all-digital congregation. Please stay tuned to our podcast, social media channels, and YouTube for more information during this time of distancing. Thank you, stay safe, and enjoy. This morning's scripture passage is from Matthew 16. It's verses 13 through 20. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I can't wait to get into the scripture today. I thought it was super cool when Dan told me a little bit about this whole journey of stones thing that he had found in a book and kind of laid out and planned out. And I really love this particular passage. I think that it points to a lot of the fundamentals of our faith, what it means to be the church, and the direction that we should be headed in. So let's get back to that main scripture passage. One of the first things that we see here is that Jesus is walking with his disciples and he asks them, so who do people say I am? What are they saying about me? And so they gave a few different answers, John the Baptist, Elijah, some of the prophets. And then Jesus asks the more pointed question, who do you say that I am? And that's relevant to us today. Jesus doesn't really care what you think other people think about him, or what you hear other people say about him. He cares what you think about him. Now that's not to say that you're the only person whose opinion matters, or that I am, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ, he wants to know how we feel about him and what we're going to do about it. So he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, saying, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And that's when he ended up getting called Peter. That name, that Greek name, it points back to the word rock. Upon this rock I will build my church. That's where the Catholics got the idea of making him the first pope and that he was to like found the church in that way. Now, I, I don't think that that's the exclusive meaning Christ had behind that. But... I definitely see their point. And he was a very foundational person in establishing the church. But we also know that Christ is the cornerstone. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. That he is the one who really sets the foundation. So I don't think it's about Peter here. I think it's about what he says. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. The living God. Is that who you believe he is? When you think about who God is, I feel like we have a few different key catchphrases that we always say. 
Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. He's my Lord. He's my Redeemer. He's my Savior. He's, we love to throw out all these different church words. But what do they mean? So I went through and I picked out three of those big churchy words. And we're going to delve into each of them a little bit. The first one I picked out, uh, and, and this was also from that book. That he kind of tailored to these three. And so I went in and I found scripture about, <clears throat> about these concepts. First one he pointed out was Savior. When people ask, who is Jesus to you? That's one of the first answers. Oh, he's my Savior. Well, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Similarly, in Romans chapter 3, Verses 23 through 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. His sacrifice, his death and resurrection atones for our sins. But how does that play out? What does that mean? If he is our Savior, and we have put our faith in him. Yes, we have been redeemed. But we also have to recognize something. It is by grace that we have been saved. Through faith. So our faith, that's not what saves us. It's not, it's not about us. It's not about what we believe. It's not about what we do. It is by grace. So what is grace? Grace is that, that mercy that Christ gives us. The fact that we are given something we don't deserve, his forgiveness, his love, that is what saves us. So if he is our savior, we need to recognize that he has that love for us, that he gave that sacrifice, and that it's not about us or what we do. One of those other buzzwords is Lord. He's my Lord. Well, that's a wonderful thing, and he should be your Lord. But what does that mean? When we delve into Scripture, one of the first things that came to my mind was Romans chapter 6. It says, Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Slaves to righteousness. See, Jesus as our Lord, that's a commanding figure. I know that this might be a goofy generational thing, but one of the first things that pops into my head when I hear the word Lord is Lord Farquaad. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Shrek, he is the bad guy, uh, and he is, uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be a dwarf or what, but he's a short man. And when I say dwarf, I, I don't mean like, you know, the guys from, you know, The Hobbit with a beard and stuff. I mean, someone with achondroplasia, but he's very short. Uh, they make fun of him for that throughout the whole movie. 
and he's got this very bad temperament, and he rules with an iron fist, and he's just a bad dude, like Napoleon. They were probably making fun of Napoleon. And so he's, he's the bad guy, and he is this lord. He is this prince, this not really a king, but he rules over this area. He's got this huge castle. He's the one who rules over that area. Well, if we say that Jesus is our Lord, that means he's supposed to rule over our life. We are supposed to be slaves to righteousness, slaves to Christ. One of the things that I think is really cool in the Old Testament law is that if you were a slave to someone and they were a really good, kind master to you, and you decided that you wanted to continue being their slave, that was something you could sign into as a contract. And they would take you to their door frame, and they would get an awl, which is a carving utensil, and they would drive it through your ear, and either cut off the bottom of your earlobe, or put in like a slit with it, and that would signify that you were a slave, that you had sold yourselves to someone else. You had that mark permanently. And that's what Christ wants. He wants us to surrender, to recognize that he is the best master we could ever have, and to want him, and to want to serve him, to actively surrender ourselves. When I think about that active surrendering, I think of Romans 12. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Being a slave to Christ means surrendering yourself to recognize that our bodies have to be that living sacrifice not in the way that Christ died for us, but in setting aside the things that we want, those selfish desires. For example, I know that I love sleeping in. I am not a morning person. I would much rather stay up until one or two in the morning and then sleep in until like 10 o'clock. That's more my speed. I think part of that's because I'm young, but I, I don't know to be quite truthful. But I, I would much prefer that to be more my schedule. And Sunday mornings, when we're not under quarantine, I have to get up at like 5.30 in the morning so that I can have enough time to get a shower and get dressed and eat breakfast and feed the dog and make my coffee and do my devotions and be alive and, and walk in the door at 7 o'clock. Selfish me doesn't want that. And there have been days where I've been a little bit selfish and I've come in more like 7.30, uh, even like 7.45, though that was back when Dan was saying to be here at 7.30. I'm, just, I'm not a morning person. And I know I need to get better at that, but that's selfish me. If I leaned on that selfishness, I could throw off church. I could mess with all of your guys' lives just because of my selfishness. How unfair is that? That's something that I need to surrender. Now I know that's a little bit of a silly example, it's just sleeping in and 
nothing's ever gone disastrous on a Sunday because, you know, oh, I slept in until 9 o'clock. Not like there's ever been an emergency, but that is something selfish in my life. And I'm sure that there's habits that we all have, selfish things that we want. We need to surrender those things and give them back to Christ. It might be a bad attitude. Some people are a little more prone to get angry. I know Dan's vocalized about how he used to have a much worse temper. And that over the years, that's something God has changed in his heart. But he still has to watch out for it. That might be a struggle for some of you. I don't know what you're struggling with today. And that's not my burden. That's not my stone. That's why Dan's been giving out the stones and the wheelbarrows. Now I know that we can't do that today. And I encourage you like Dan did last week to maybe go around your yard and look for a small stone that you can set aside and remember this is the thing that I need to surrender. This is the thing that I need to set aside. This is what's getting between me and truly letting Christ be my Lord. The next one's creator. I think that one of the things we think of when we think of God is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But what does it really mean to have him be our creator? Galatians 3.26-28 says, So in Christ Jesus you all are children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now here we see that Paul is talking about unity in Christ, recognizing that nothing comes before him. Now I don't think he's trying to say here that there is no different ethnicity, that there's no different culture, that there's no differences between men and women. That's not the point he's making. What he's saying is ultimately when it comes to Christ we are all equal. And that can be tough because sometimes there are people we don't like for some reason or another. Whether it's someone who's just different or someone who we know has done some really bad things in their past. Sometimes it can be hard to love your neighbor. It makes me think of the parable of the Good Samaritan. We know that the good neighbor was a Samaritan, someone who was very disliked in Jewish culture. And Jesus was talking to a bunch of Jews, but the good guy wasn't a Jew. It wasn't the priest. It wasn't the guy who was helping out in the temple. I mean, the parable of the Good Samaritan was like saying Dan walked down the road, saw someone in a car accident, and walked around the other side because he wasn't like us. He wasn't a Baptist. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it was Muslim. Let's, let's throw that out there because that's something that our culture wrestles with for different reasons. So let's say that the modern-day parable of the Good Samaritan would be like Dan walking down the road and seeing a Muslim in a car crash and walking around to the other side. And then I, or maybe a deacon, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in there. I walked down the road and saw someone in a car crash and walked around the other side. But then a Muslim came by and saw that person who was in a car crash 
and scooped them up and took them to the hospital and paid for all the bills because they were uninsured. It wasn't Dan who took care of the person, the pastor, the good guy. It wasn't me, the person who helps him out. It was an unlikely figure. Loving your neighbor can be difficult. And that was kind of the whole point of that parable of the Good Samaritan. Was to say that loving your neighbor can be difficult, but God wants us to love everyone. No matter who they are, no matter where they're from. Because he loved us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 1, 1 through 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Later in John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or tabernacled among us. The Word is Jesus. Jesus came, He made everything, and He gave us the words of life. He created everything, all of us, even those who don't believe the same things we do, even the people who have done bad things that have hurt us, our family members, and we're called to love them even when it hurts, and that can be difficult. I know that there's someone in my life that in the past couple of years re-entered, and it's been really tough trying to figure out how to incorporate this individual into my life because that person brought a lot of hurt to my family and to myself. But recognizing that Christ has brought that person into my life to love them and to be with them is important. And recognizing that that person came back into my life because they regret some of the hurtful things that they've done. And they're trying to learn and grow and be a better person. And so, as a result of that, I would be no different than the priest or the Levite who was walking around to the other side of the car crash. It can be hard, loving people. But it's what we're called to do. Everyone. So, who is Jesus to us? He's our Savior. He's the only one who can save us. It's not about us. It's not about the things that we've done. It's all about Him and His sacrifice. He is our Lord. He is the master of our lives. And we need to serve Him that way. And He is the creator of everything. Even the people who have hurt us or our loved ones. And so as a result, recognizing Him as all of those things... We need to be slaves to him. We need to put our full faith in him and recognize him as the only one who can save us. And we need to love everyone, even when it hurts. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity that you gave me to speak your words, your truth. Lord, I pray that they would affect not only me, but that it would be an opportunity for others to know about your love, your mercy, your grace, your goodness, 
your powerfulness. Lord, if there's someone out there who doesn't know you as their Lord and their Savior and their Creator, God, I pray that you would give them a burning curiosity, that you would call them to you, that you would open their heart and their mind and let them see you for who you are. I lift these things up in your precious and holy name. I want to challenge you guys to go out and to live out this truth, to view God as your creator, as your savior, and as your Lord. If you have any needs or anyone you know has any needs, please feel free to call us. We're leaving our church office open during our regular hours. You can go to greenfieldbaptistchurch.com and we look forward to serving you in any way that you can. If you have any questions about today's video, please feel free to comment below or to call us. And I pray that we can continue reaching out and serving you. That's what we're here for.